0: Welcome to the Buzz and Economic Development Podcast. I'm Tina Emerson here with Tushar Laker. He is an economic development lawyer here at Nexon Pruitt. And we are delighted to be here with a good friend of yours today.
1: Absolutely, one of my closest friends and somebody who himself and his organization really impacts economic development in our state.
0: That's right, we are talking about James Chavez. He is the president and CEO of South Carolina Power Team. And I am fascinated by your history, James. You are a native of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yes. How in the world did you end up here?
2: It's a long story. Let's hear it. Well, I got my degree in uh, early childhood and my goal was to work for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Uh, I was gonna go get my master's and my buddy from college said, hey, why don't you come ski in Colorado for a year, then you know, take a year off, go get your master's. The only job that was available in that town was the Chamber of Commerce, their local executive director. And uh, took the job for 16000 a year. And uh, my dad was so mad. He's, he's like, you could make more money at McDonald's, son. What are you doing?
0: Well, they're skiing at McDonald's.
2: Oh, I didn't even know how to ski. That's how I got the job. I was, the, the, the three people they interviewed, uh, two of them were on ski teams, one for Breck, one for Vale. I didn't know how to ski, so they know I'm gonna be the guy shoveling snow and showing up every day. Uh, And then I had an opportunity to move to Atlanta um, and stay in Chamber of Commerce work. And it's just been an evolution of growing in Chamber of Commerce world. And then uh, I was in the Atlanta region in Cobb County for people who know where the Cobb County Marietta area is. And they uh, fired the economic development team and I was doing international trade and small business. So I was the warm body in the building that needed to work on RFIs and get responses to projects. And that kind of started my economic development career. So until I moved here, I did both Chamber of Commerce and uh, Economic Development in Georgia and Tennessee.
1: So James, and, and we, we, were, we were fortunate to have you come take over the reins, the South Carolina power team. Um, for those that are not in the loop on what the power team is and, and, and what it does, I know for me, when I first heard of the power team, when I first started doing this, I thought I grew up in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and there was this group of, of muscle-bound individuals that would come to elementary schools and rip phone books in half, and and they call themselves the power yeah. team. And um, besides the fact that you don't have that kind of strength or athleticism, This is true. Um, I figured that, <laughs> this, that, is is, that <laughs> this was not... Um, you know, uh, tied to, to feats yeah. of strength. So tell us a little bit about the power team itself, but also more importantly, James, the, the, the connectivity between the utilities that you represent and maybe in St. T. Cooper, it's, it's an interesting relationship and, and one that I think folks would be yeah. um, interested to hear.
2: So the power team was created in 1988 uh, where Palmetto Economic Development Corporation is our formal name. So we do business as South Carolina Power Team. We were created as a partnership between Santee Cooper and the 20 electric cooperatives in South Carolina. Uh, And in 2017, um, because we buy both generation from Santee Cooper and we buy generation from Duke, um, the cooperatives decided to take over the power team's governance structure as a whole. Santee Cooper still being a partner, but not being a part of our board simply because they're making decisions on projects that are actually served by Duke. And the co-ops just felt like it'd be a lot easier to have that governance structure be co-op governed entirely. Um, So we serve the 20 electric cooperatives in South Carolina. Um, We are funded through Central Electric, which is our transmission cooperative. So the 20 electric cooperatives own and govern our transmission company. Uh, which is great for our members because all of the costs are shared across the 20 co-ops um, and all the revenue is given back to the 20 co-ops. So it's a, ultimately, there's a member benefit that goes back to somebody who's in a very rural part of our state. They see the same economic benefit as somebody that's in the Charleston region or uh, outside the Spartanburg-Greenville region. So Santee Cooper
1: does the generation. Central is the transmission company, Correct. and then it gets distributed through the, ele- the, the 20 electric cooperatives. Correct. Okay, interesting.
2: Is there a part of the state you don't cover? We cover the entire state. Uh, Greenwood, we have a few houses on Lake Tech we cover every county. Um, but we buy generation from Santee Cooper, we assemble somewhere between 60 and 70% of everything they generate is purchased by the cooperatives. And then through our five upstate cooperatives, we buy generation from Duke. Um, and we're their largest customer in the state. I think we're probably their third largest customer overall in their entire footprint. So we, uh, we serve a lot of folks. And you know, in the 60s, when they divvied up territory in our state, uh, the cooperatives at that time, their responsibility was to get power to the end of a road um, and to take care of our farmers and agriculture. And so we didn't fight for Spartanburg, Greenville, Columbia, Charleston, the IOUs took all that. The benefit we're seeing today is those city centers are grown out. And the next phase of development is going out to these, what was rural is now suburban or second tier, in some cases still rural, but that's the next phase of growth. So we have greatly benefited from the decision that was made in the 60s to not take those city centers now is providing huge benefit for our members across the state.
0: James, what kind of industries are really uh, the bulk of the work that you're doing right now? What's really driving your day-to-day?
2: Manufacturing. Uh, We're a manufacturing state, so we we have benefited greatly from manufacturing jobs. You know, when all those really true blue-collar jobs left for China years and years ago, uh, what's happening now is high 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 wage, high tech manufacturing. Uh, that allows our people to really create better wealth for them and their families. They have opportunities they've never had before. We are seeing, you know, in the Charlotte region, we've had a lot of headquarter jobs. I think, you know, from 2014 to now well over, I'd say well over 10,000, but I'd say closer to 15,000 headquarter jobs. Um, Those were things that we didn't have in our wheel well before. That was all kind of Charlotte-based. So we're starting to see that Uh, a lot of life sciences we're seeing now. We're seeing data center opportunities. We serve a very large data center in uh, the Charleston region, and for years we kept trying to gain interest from those those type of uh, data center developers and users, and weren't getting any traction. And for some reason, it's on. Uh, You know, we've got almost 400 megawatts of. Potential data center customers coming on our, onto our system, so it's pretty significant.
1: And James, you've talked about you know, a, a, a real wide array of industries there, right? Uh, you know, true blue manufacturing, warehouse distribution, data centers, life sciences. Um, are their needs different? Like, how, how when you're dealing with a company like that and trying to attract them to your your service territory, to the co-op service territory, does the energy conversation vary? whether it be as to amount or as to the type of energy they need or as to when they might need peak energy, does that
2: vary by industry? Oh, greatly. When we're talking to a potential member like a data center user, that's 100 megawatts, 200 megawatts. Reliability is number one. Um, and then number two, what we're seeing now, we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, is the need for renewable energy. They have a mandate to use renewable energy. So looking at solar primarily being our primary source of renewables, um, and it has to be new. So anything that we've announced in the past or plan for development doesn't count. It has to be what they call additionality. Um, It's gotta be new solar onto our system to serve them specifically. They have to be able to draw a direct line to it. Um, You know, these electric vehicle battery manufacturing projects that are out there the same thing they're very very large users um, they also have the same mandate so we're we're what we're trying to do is deal with all of this at one time so that we're planning additionality for potentially a gigawatt of solar it's a lot of solar a gigawatt of gigawatt.
1: solar gigawatt
2: yeah and that is largely being driven
1: by customer demand
2: yeah so rather than you know a typical project we're going to talk about workforce we're going to talk about site incentives. Um, the very first conversations we're having is transmission reliability, how we're going to serve the project. and uh, ensure sure that they've got 24 seven redundancy.
0: And what kind of work are you doing to invest in these sites? I know as South Carolina grows and more industries come here, that just reduces the land available to select sites from.
2: Yeah, and there's there's articles out this week looking at our surrounding states and the number of dwindling sites, mega sites specifically that are out there. The projects that are coming in are huge, multi-billion dollar investments, large power users, but they also require large sites. Um, So back in 2014, we created what we call a Site Readiness Fund, and it's uh, $6 million per year that we invest in sites. Um, Probably most notable for us is uh, the site where Volvo resides, uh, Camp Hall. Uh, we made a major investment in conjunction with Santa Cooper and Berkeley County to get that site under control and have property available for future development. Um, but by investing in actual site development rather than site certification, um, we are having sites that are market ready. You know, we've got a site in Tri-County, uh, Tri-County in Orangeburg, Tri-County Electric Cooperative in Orangeburg, uh, where we have a 45-acre padded site rail served, all the water sewer infrastructure is there, we own it, control it, it's ready to go. Um, We've got a site in Lawrence, another good example, Um, Lawrence County through Lawrence Electric Cooperative, that's uh, almost 400 acres of property that's all the infrastructure is in, we have a spec building in it. Uh, That property is now actually tied up with a potential project. So it's a matter of having things really under control infrastructure there and not these projects don't have time to wait right so our 52 million so far has leveraged another 200 million or so from counties and the state state's been a great partner Um, and so we've just got to continue to make those types of investments as property gets gobbled up
0: so power team's role in expediting these deals is is really important to get these sites ready
2: yeah it's before we even get to the table we've got to have stuff that's ready to go
1: James, I've heard you speak often about the leadership you have uh, with the Electric Cooperative Board and the vision that they have in investing yeah. in sites. Uh, obviously, it's not an inexpensive, um, and it is a, a forward-looking advance to, to invest in sites. And it seems like as much as we're, entities like you are investing in sites, we're still behind. Yeah. Um, but But how does that process work with you obtaining the funds to be able to spend, to, to then basically invest for a future project that may or may not come down the road,
2: but chances are it will. Well, first of all, um, you gave me an opportunity to recognize my board. Uh, I have, I've served boards of directors my entire career and I've never had a board that is committed, as committed to our strategy and our mission as this group and beyond our board, the 20 electric cooperatives and their leadership, right? All 20 electric cooperatives, regardless of where we're placing the money, approve these funds for us to, to use. So if I'm in a, you know, Salmon, uh, Palmetto territory down in the Hillhead, Hilton Head area where they don't get a lot of industrial looks, but they're still helping pay for this 52 million, knowing that there will be an ultimate member benefit when when we invest in projects and sites, and these projects come on system, you know, within five years we're getting a payback. And that payback goes either, it goes mainly as cost reduction back to the Twin Electric Cooperative. So the ultimately there's a member benefit to everybody. So just their support has been awesome. So, so you've got
1: that level of forward thinking investment sites um, to help attract projects. But I also have worked with you on a number of deals where you're helping to close projects. Yeah. Uh, what tools does, does the power team have To help close projects, close deals in your service territory.
2: So I think primarily for us is to uh, rate. Um, We can incentivize a project through rate, um, or we can put cash into a project. In some cases, we can do a combination of both. Uh, So the deal we worked together, Samsung, uh, we were able to put a pretty considerable amount of money into the project, looking at what. What their commitment for power consumption was, uh, we used load and load factor. Um, So consistency, high load factor means higher return on investment for us. So we were able to go back to our leadership and request an amount related to the net present value it would represent to our system over a 10-year period. Um, And that gave us extra funds to put into the project. To help buy the building with the state. And then we had funds that went into actually relocating another industry that laid in the path of their future growth um, into Newberry's industrial park. So it gives us an avenue to put money in, into a project where the state is all in, the county is all in, but there's still a gap. Um, and for projects over 10 megawatts um, or a thousand jobs, we can go and request additional funds that tie into our net present value um, but knowing that we've got to pay back within a very short period of time for our members. So that's how we use it for projects like Volvo was part of that, Samsung's a part of that. Uh, we have pending projects where we've made some commitments but they've not pulled the trigger yet but that's how that's how we can affect uh, a project moving forward and we typically typically we're being asked to put it into substation costs or something like that but there's Scenarios where the gap is site costs. Um, Bernie had a deal with Michelin um, where we put funds into uh, road, road infrastructure where there was still a gap between what the state could do and the county could do. So that's we just try to fill the gap. Everything we do is about being essential to the project and not duplicating what other people are trying to do.
0: And with with the challenges that you see occasionally, and you've got a lot going on that's going really well with all the partnerships that you have and the the successful relationships that Power Team has, what are some of the things you think South Carolina at this point could be doing better on the energy front?
2: Um, On the energy front, I guess it's not on South Carolina. It's on the the generation folks. Um, And they're all focused on it. you'd have to bring them in to talk specifically about what their plans are, but you know, solar is, uh, is a big deal to many, many users. Uh, so we're all working together on that. Uh, Duke won a bid to do wind energy off the coast. That's gonna be helpful, that's renewable. Um, putting that in our portfolio will be helpful. Um, as far as the state's role, I'm not sure what the state could be doing to help advance that really.
1: James. We, we, we hearkened earlier to sustainability uh, renewable energy almost every company I'm talking to of any size is, yep. is focused on that right now.. Yep. Are you seeing that in the projects that you're working at the moment, the projects you have in the hopper and and what's the I guess how, how do you how do you answer questions they have when it comes to sustainability goals that they have for themselves and also their tier one and tier two suppliers below them, yep. How do you answer those questions? Because it is a, somewhat of a new issue in economic development.
2: So it's, um, you know, it's something, honestly, that we're, we're trying to wrap our arms around right now and working these projects all together has been very helpful. So for some of them, they can, use, they can, they can buy credits, uh, renewable energy credits. Uh, for others, they have to be able to draw a direct line, like I said earlier, to additionality, where we are building solar for your use. Um, and because we have all these projects that are looking at the same time, if they hit, we would be developing a considerable amount of solar in addition to the projects that have been planned by either Duke or Santa Cooper. Um, but it's every project. I'm just, I'm sure you're seeing the same thing. Um, if, if, if they're a user of any size, um, they wanna be able to draw a line to the renewables. And when it comes to e-mobility, the
1: electrification of vehicles yeah. that so what some are calling the death of the internal combustion engine i mean that's going to be a massive ripple effect yeah. throughout the entire southeastern u.s obviously in in the michigan area and other hotbeds for automotive manufacturing how is the power team how are the cooperatives trying to get ahead of what will be a dramatic increase in need in a relatively short period of time
2: well one thing we're doing is um you know we have a huge existing industry effort, uh, so we, we're trying to make sure that we're focusing on what are, are the needs of our existing members, especially in that in that industry sector, because this transformation is either going to shut people down and move them out, or they're going to have to evolve with the times. And if there's a role that we can play and help them do so, uh, our board this year approved a new incentive for existing members that if they're uh, retooling or they're making new investments in equipment uh, to advance production and they're having to retrain employees upskill employee, we call it upskill grant but if they're having to upskill their current workforce we can put money on the table to help reimburse them for those out-of-pocket costs that they can't get from the state um, so that's one big thing for us that we're doing and then just trying to stay on top of all these potential opportunities that are coming Um, the other side of that is from a system standpoint, how do we make sure we're prepared for those opportunities that are coming?
1: Right. I mean, I I think, uh, I think we're all focused on electric vehicles right now. I just purchased a a car recently and came oh so close to buying an electric vehicle, but just couldn't (laughs) quite do it at the time. But, but bought my current vehicle with the intent of knowing that, Hey, in the next three, four, five years, I will be switching to electric. But I think what folks don't seem to realize is yeah, our our grid. Very few grids in the country, uh, maybe even the world, are ready for all of us to be driving electric cars and charging them at our home when, yeah. when we when we when we go home at night. So um, that that's definitely something that, um, with, with all the planning, with all of the forward-looking um, work that you all are doing, very very um, uh, happy that you're focused on that issue. You know you'll be you'll be doing a good job to prepare us as we move forward.
0: I mean, we don't have much time left, but I do want to end on a, a separate note, outside of uh, James's power team work, and that is your job as an avid cyclist. And we were talking earlier about your bike ride across the state. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that and why you did it, and how you were able to accomplish that feat with so many of your colleagues.
2: Yeah, so we had um, we had a forty-two-year-old CEO from PD Electric, Brian Kelly. Uh, CrossFit guy, looked very healthy. For a couple weeks, the doctor had been treating him for what he thought was reflux. Ended up he had a massive heart attack, and we lost him at 42. And so trying to think about heart disease is the number one killer of uh, men in the country. Uh, And it's something that within our system, we've lost a lot of people. And the utility sector as a whole probably has experienced the same thing so we're trying to think of a way to honor him and honor the people that we've lost within our system or people that have been touched by heart disease or stroke and i was watching a documentary about this guy that rode across the u.s to raise a witness about heart disease um reached out to him and reached out to the heart association and then musc directed me every place i turned i kept expecting expecting somebody to say no we can't do it and people jumped on board. So we had last fall, uh, it was 20. On any given day, we had 20 to 25 cyclists that rode uh, from electric cooperative to electric cooperative over a seven day period. We did three stops per day, um, 640 miles in total. We got to see over 400 of our employees, have them do heart exams, blood pressure checks. Uh, we've got some work to do but it raised awareness within our system. Uh, we were able to raise some money for the Heart Association as well as for Clemson's Rural Health Initiative. Uh, I think we donated 27,000 to Clemson's Rural Health Initiative, which will help them buy equipment to put in their trucks when they're going out in the fields to do exams. Um, and then another 17,000 or so to the American Heart Association in Brian County's memory. So it's a great event. Uh, we won't be able to do it this year We'll be doing it every other year. So next fall, 2023, we hope to get that done again. But
0: and What a great way to honor him and his yeah, family an amazing, and, and all the people that are impacted by heart disease across South Carolina. It truly is a an issue that I think everybody's dealt with in their family.
2: We had a trailer that was carrying all our gear and we started having people sign it, like put in the name of somebody touched in your family, either survived or lost. And by the end of day seven, that thing was wrapped in signatures, which was a beautiful way to honor people, but also a very stark reminder that this is touching a lot of people in our circle. So anything that we can do to help people live healthier lives, just move. It doesn't have to be on a bike, but just doing something um, is a good thing.
1: Uh, so, James, you know, obviously you, we're talking to you today. Yeah. Uh, but, but I know from personal experience that you have an amazing, talented and diverse team. Yeah. Uh, Can you share a little bit about your team? Because uh, uh, we all know that that's really where the brains of the operation are.
2: This is true. Uh, I'm neither the face, I'm just the voice of an incredible team. I work with an incredible team, and I have, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm sad to say I've been doing it that long. But, um, you know, I have eight, nine members of our team, nine with me, who all understand who we serve, we We understand we're stewards of incredible resources, and they all do their job which with such great intention and purpose um, and it's it, the culture is incredible, but you know I never ever ever have to worry about not being there. We all know what our job is, we all know what we're we're charged with doing every day. We have very clear expectations about what we're to be doing each quarter. Our strategy is a living breathing document that they absolutely work the heck out of and just great to have all these folks that are committed to the cause all on one team
1: and i've seen it firsthand both before covid and after covid they're amazing testament to you to them and to your leadership so thank you yeah
2: man
0: And thanks for everything you do for South Carolina and what Power Team has done for South Carolina, for the Department of Commerce, for everyone in South Carolina looking to make the state prosper as as much as we can. Thank you so much. And if you haven't seen the buzz in our other episodes, please take a look at our website. And until next time, we'll see you later.